Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowell, and today we have an opportunity to hear from a truly global entrepreneur who has seen it all, from operating a redemptive coffee company in remote China all the way to flying private jets. When you hear his story, you'll understand why I wanted him to share on this program. So Samuel, welcome to the program. All right, so Samuel, welcome to the program. You know, It's so good to have this opportunity to talk. I've known you for a long time. Most of our interaction has actually been in the old days, you could say, back in China. But recently we reconnected and I was really impacted by hearing your journey, you know, what you've learned along the way. And I think it's crucial for people to hear it, particularly Christian professionals who are trying to navigate their calling to create, innovate, and transform the redemptive entrepreneur, we could say. And the other side of the same coin is like the believer who's working in a corporate role or really desires to advance the kingdom of God in their vocation. There's a lot of confusion around this, a lot of wondering, uh, a lot of things that people are told that they don't, they don't understand or they don't necessarily agree with. And they just want to represent the king well in the scope of their lives. You know, let's help this audience get to know you and hear your story. So, Welcome to the program and give us a little bit of your journey. Uh, thanks, Jonathan. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, so my journey is is one uh, I think that I've heard uh, from other people, not quite so different. Um, I uh, grew up not necessarily following the Lord, um, got kind of radically saved right after college and immediately just was in the Bible every day. Sometimes I'd stay up all night just reading the Bible and really excited and in my sphere of influence and in the people that I knew, if you were really passionate about God, you had to go to Bible school or become a missionary. Right. Those are like the two options for me. Yeah. And so uh, I, I kind of uh, was planning to do one of the two. In the meantime, uh, I got started with uh, Young Life just doing evangelism with young high school kids and very kind of non-traditional evangelism, different than kind of normal youth groups, such as going out to high schools and sharing the gospel with really lost kids. So I started working towards this goal of becoming uh, a missionary. But um, what was interesting is what I really felt the Lord wanted me to do was just to go do business. But because, because I didn't have a grid for how to do that or, that that was a permissible or a value in the kingdom. Right. Uh, what I ended up doing was going to mission school, becoming ordained as pastor and kind of walking down that path. Um, the further down that path I got, the further I realized that this is never what I felt God called me to do. So um, one day I kind of repented of becoming a missionary. Uh, I always say, <laughs> wow. kind of throw people for a curveball, but, but repented in the sense that, you know, Jesus had this quote that I only did what the father told me to do. And uh, I kind of realized I couldn't say that I was doing things that 
um, that I felt uh, culturally from the churches I was involved with, that's what I should be doing, but right. not really what I felt I should be doing. So um, that was a major kind of turning point in my, my journey where um, I had to kind of tell the people that had helped me get to where I was, hey, this is no longer what I feel like I'm supposed to do. I'm just supposed to do business. And yeah. uh, and by this they, point, you'd you'd invested a lot of your life in this. I mean, you've been on a certain oh, yeah. trajectory. I mean, you built a family in this context, everything, right? Oh, yeah. And it was, you know, travel around speaking um, at conferences and sure. kind of uh, had, had, had kind of a, a, a platform, albeit rather small platform. So yeah, I found myself in this position where a lot of people were probably looking at me going, this guy's successful. They're asking me to speak because we had a business that was helping a ton of people. Um, but I knew it wasn't really what I was called to do. So I made this really hard choice, which is to tell the only, uh, the only line I had for financial support was uh, missional support and churches. Yeah. And I had to tell those people, I don't, I'm not interested in financial support anymore. I'm just going to do business and live off of that. And, and it was, it was a challenge in the beginning, but what we seen and what, what the kind of, I believe the lesson of my own story is, is that we were created to hear the voice of God. Right. And we were created. We all were created for that. And it's actually really easy. It's actually not only is easy because he created us to hear his voice and he's really good at speaking. So it's not like one of those really challenging things to do. Now we found ways to make it complicated, right? We find ways to make it difficult. We find ways to make it seem um, like it's some crazy mystical thing, but actually um, I believe it's very simple. And I believe that when we're listening to him, um, his yoke is easy and his burden is light and, and things just work. Yeah. Um, things that shouldn't necessarily work, just work. Now, when and, you were in your kind of more traditional ministry or m mission minded in the old school sense trajectory that you just thought was like the only avenue, so to speak, were you struggling with that? Like things just didn't seem to work that should, or how did you gauge that? Well, what was weird is I thought it was working. Okay. And I think a lot of compare, cause I was comparing myself to other people. So a lot of the band people, I knew their business wasn't profitable and ours wasn't yeah. very profitable, but it was somewhat profitable. Right. And we were helping a lot of people. And so in a lot of ways, it felt like it was working, but it was exhausting because the problem is, is that we find ourselves working, um, on our own agenda, under our own power, right. it can be pretty exhausting. Um, but all of a sudden, w when I surrendered, I felt like to just what I felt the Lord called me to do is just go do business. Okay. Um, is uh, things just started to be radically different. It was the beginning of a change. And I, I would say it took, I, I make it sound like it was overnight. It probably took four years for me wow. to unlearn what I had taken 30 years to learn. Um, was just how to simply, very, very simply follow the voice of God and do what I felt he was asking me to do, um, run my business uh, and impact the community through that business. Now, what we found was, is that interestingly, um, what seemed like uh, in a lot of ways was a very minor shift. Um, everything just kind of fell into place. It was after that that uh, I felt the business really started to take off. After that, we really started seeing kingdom impact. We've seen um, 
in, in, with through our employees, through the community, just radical spiritual impact that we had never seen before that point. What do you think was like a difference maker in that? How, what did that feel like in there? Was there anything that was like identifiable? Because sometimes people wonder like, what am I looking for here? Like, what's my indicator? If like, I'm maybe doing this in my own strength and it's sort of working or not, or maybe I'm doing it under the leading of the Lord and submitted and all of a sudden something's starting to work. I mean, did you ever like identify an indicator in your journey or what that looked Mm -hmm. like? I mean, was it just a struggle and then it became easy or how did that feel? I, um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I guess the only way that I can explain it, and maybe this isn't good language, this is just a fresh <laughs> analogy that's popped in my head, is imagine um, me trying to put on clothes that may fit someone 20 pounds smaller than me really well, okay. you know, but I put them on and they just don't fit. And right. and uh, and I felt that, I feel like this, that's the best analogy is that, it was just challenging. I would struggle and, and it, and, and yeah, it may work for someone else. And I think right. that's, if I had anything to say to anyone, um, I think that's where I went, um, went wrong. I was looking for a well-beaten path that someone else had went down hmm. and I was comparing myself to what I seen other people doing and trying to figure out what I should do rather than simply going, Hey, I know what the Lord's telling me to do. Let me just go do that, even though I don't see a grid. Because um, I think uh, often people are looking for uh, a model to follow after, and there's not always a a, a, a well beaten model to follow after. Is the, the right. fact of the matter? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what I love hearing, even in what you've shared so far, is a real validation of um, you could say. Like, a per, like I talk about the, having permission and a commission to work, like that, that it is okay to work, to be in business and not feel like you have to somehow uh, fit it into an existing paradigm about what is spiritual even or what is not or what's mm-hmm. effective or what, it, what is not, you know, and so avoiding the kind of false comparisons almost or comparing it to what's already come before. Uh, it's almost like having the freedom. It's like a level of freedom of getting the right clothes on per your analogy, like getting the right fit and not forcing things. And I think that's what a lot of people like where, where they struggle in their journey is they feel like they're trying to force themselves into something that may not be a good fit for them in what they're called yeah. to do, you know, and, and they might think the only thing that's valid spiritually is to go down the road of say, go to seminary or become a traditional missionary and maybe try to paste on an overlay of business to make that work somehow. And uh, there becomes a real struggle, a real incongruency in people's lives. And I love the freedom that seems to have come through in your journey after that, that kind of breakthrough. Yeah. And, and here's the cool thing about it is that um, years down the road is about uh four years ago now looking back we all of a sudden uh, realized we're gonna have to move back to the u.s and i think had my paradigm not changed i think that transition would have been much harder but all of a sudden i find myself in a new context moving back to the u.s and for a short time i had to take a corporate job go work in an office right and um and then now i'm back able to um 
be an entrepreneur, which is what I feel called to do. But in all those different seasons, I felt that I was equally doing something valuable for the kingdom. I felt that I was equally having impact and it had to do with one thing. And here's how, if you said, Hey, Sam, how do you know that the clothes fit? How do you know that you're on the journey you're supposed to be on? And I would just say that same, go back to that same verse where Jesus says, I've done everything the father's asked me to do. And I, that's what I would ask people. I'd say, are you doing what you feel like the father's asking you to do? And, uh, and if you say, well, no, but I don't know how to do it. I would say, well, just do it, not knowing how to do it. You know, sometimes he's asking us to do stuff that he's going to show us along the way, you know, because yeah, to be honestly, I'm not qualified uh, to do any of the things he's asked me to do any of the things he's allowed me and enabled me to do. I'm not qualified. And um, it would be really easy for me to go, well, no, I'm not going to attempt that because I'm not qualified, but He's the, he's the qualifier, not us. And so that makes us really easy and really fun. That's awesome. So for our, for our audience that don't really know you very well, you know, you've got a kind of a diverse background of expertise, just uh, so they know what you're doing and talking about. Like you've been in the coffee industry and then you also fly planes. I mean, is there, you want to tell people a little bit about what you do? Kind of that's a wide variance of where <laughs> what you've done and uh entrepreneurs are probably thrilled to hear it <laughs> so yeah i mean and, and to be honest there's a, there's a few more things in there i was in construction <laughs> uh for for a while um i guess the three big industries that i feel most comfortable in are um aviation uh construction and coffee um but here's the thing the the cool thing is is that I believe that there's just core principles of business that are so applicable across all industries as that I think, you know, it wouldn't bother me to get into some other sure. unknown industry uh, tomorrow, you know, and I've, I've had the chance of dabbling in some engineering and manufacturing businesses and other things, but the, the basic principles of how businesses operate um, apply across most sectors so yeah yeah what would you what would be a standout one that you would point to for someone who's like hey how would i transfer between industries even and what's consistent what's a a, like a normative thing that will follow me or i should carry with me if i start doing something else yeah i mean so so the the big things in any business i believe are number one um the vision mission values and culture like a leader's job is to set vision, mission, values, and culture. And it doesn't matter what business you're in. Right. I would say that's the most important is creating absolute crystal clarity around vision, mission, values, and culture. And uh, leaders have to do that no matter what industry you're in. You yeah. know, and then next you have your basic financial principles. They apply across any industry and the, the laws of finance don't. Sure care what industry you're in you know they the the same math is used and so i think a lot of those uh are real basic principles and then and then lastly the people part of it you know um and what i found is if leaders are good at setting the vision mission values and culture of company and they understand finance as well and they are good with people then a lot of the other kind of stuff uh, will come with time, just the project management and the, that kind of stuff. Uh, and if you have that 
you know, I believe you can kind of switch industries and, and do different things uh, a little more seamlessly. Sure. That's awesome. So in your, you know, in your more uh, kind of matured outlook on redemptive entrepreneurship or work in general, you know, in your current endeavors, what do you consider a win? Like what in your day to day, is it the people part or those, all those three aspects working well, or is there like something that you, you're, you see happen on a day, say in a hypothetical day and you're like, you know what, that's a win. I like it when that happens. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's, it's two parts. Uh, one of them, one part of it is, is kind of the, uh, leading indicators and a leading indicator for me is am I uh, walking in step with Jesus today and that's a that's a leading indicator I don't need any fruit or financial results to tell have I right. have I made that and often I it, it it's a it's a minute by minute choice um, throughout the day but that's the number one indicator of a successful day or you get enough successful days into successful week, successful year. The trailing indicators for me that I'm always looking for is what happens to the people that are around me uh, right. working in my businesses, my family, my business partners. Um, what is, what is life like for them? Is their life getting better improving or is their life getting worse or staying mm -hmm. the same and i really measure myself in terms of impact in my family firstly uh my community and my employees and so the the thing that i think i'll look back at at the end of my career that that i'm most proud of is what have the people done you know that have worked for me how have they grown as people and either in my business or gone on to other businesses and done great things. How have I set them up well to succeed? Um, have I have I given them the tools that they need and permission to be everything God's called them to be? I feel like it's my job as a leader. That's fascinating. You know, that really does get back to this idea I like to touch on, which is having a kingdom distinctive in your industry. You know, how do you stand out in a dark system, a dark world system that's all around us, no matter what industry we're in, you know, how do we shine? How do we glow? Kind of what I hear you articulating, there are some significant kingdom distinctives on how you treat people, what your um, intentions are for people, the, the developmental side. Um, that's pretty special. That's pretty unique um, in that, you know, there's, I've observed this and others have, a little bit uh, different question here, but people talk about there being like a gap between business thinkers and ministry thinkers, so to speak. Mm. Uh, you know, I talk to a lot of people who are really trying, they're wondering through this challenge of, man, am I called to the more traditional vocational Christian ministry role, uh, you know, the paid Christian professional, so to speak, or am I really called to just clearly and cleanly dive into the business world and the marketplace maybe start a business, maybe go work in a corporate job and really have a redemptive presence in, a, in an area that they just feel passionate about. I mean, I meet people in those areas, those kind of scenarios all the time. Do you, do you feel like from your experience that there are people that are definitely more maybe anointed or wired as business thinkers and maybe traditional ministry thinkers? Or how does that play out in your estimation? So yeah, I think it's a really great question. And I think... I would have a hard time backing this up. 
Um, but I'll just tell you where I'm at right now. I believe that people definitely have an area or sphere of influence where they just have more grace to be effective. And I have seen over and over the results of people trying to work outside of that grace. And um, I, I, I can't remember who first said it, but I had heard of, um, I heard a quote one time or saying to follow your favor. And I, I just loved it. And uh, it, it, it has been one of my, I would say, hallmark things that I look for. Where is God giving me favor? Where is there just a supernatural ease of moving forward? Because favor in my mind is how you know you're getting favor is that you're successful to the point where two things happen. You should be slightly embarrassed about how, how the success that the Lord's given you because it's somewhat unmerited. And other people should look at you in a little bit of disbelief, like, wait a minute, Samuel's just not that smart, not that uh, great of a business leader. How is he so successful in this area? And people actually look at it with either a little bit of contempt or confusion. And, and that's how you know you're truly walking in favor. Yeah. It just really doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't, so make, true. it shouldn't totally make sense to you. I'll just share one kind of quick testimony of how that works is, um, I believe God sometimes plants little seeds or ideas in our hearts as entrepreneurs that he wants us to go after. And I felt like um, in the area of aviation, he was giving me that desire recently. And uh, so I kind of walked after it, took a few steps of faith, went after a couple of things, and I seen his favor in those areas. And enough that I quit my corporate job as a pilot and uh, just went all in, you know, left the corporate insurance 401k and all that to go after where I felt God's favor was. And when I did, it just kind of multiplied. And all of a sudden now I find myself where um, our, me and my wife have aviation business that is so successful in just uh, such a short time that no amount of funding, no amount of the best consultants, knowing the right people could have got me where I'm at. And it has nothing to do with my connections or me being smart or any of that. All it is, is that um, just this kind of heart that has a, has a bent towards, Hey, where's God leading? Where is he opening up? I don't like using the word door because I think that's been so overused and misused, but where is he open up an opportunity where when I apply myself there, I see exponential results compared to other places. And I think people, um, and then you can listen to people around you. You'll start to hear people say, wow, you, I see you doing this and it's just kind of really special. And when, um, when people start to say that to you, you should listen because they're recognizing something on your life that is a grace that, uh, that you may not recognize on yourself. Um, but that's how you know, I believe that you're walking in, in, in the place that God has you. Wow, that's solid gold. That's some real wisdom. Because uh, people, yeah, people just don't have anybody to bounce this stuff off of when they're going through it. And to hear somebody who's gone through this and learned some stuff ahead of them is really valuable. You know, I wanted to touch on a couple of practicals that, uh, again, resonate with people I, I meet and talk with regularly. From your perspective, 
if someone comes up to you and maybe they're like, hey, I've got a call to, to missions. Like, I want to be in missions. And I mean, even if they don't know, you know, what that means or whatever. Like, do you have a way of uh, like anything you say to them or any question you ask at this point in your life that might be valuable to them or a clarifier for them? in that because I get that from a lot of people and I don't even think they know what that means sometimes and I don't think there's a lot of wisdom being weighed in and then conversely if someone shares a business idea or an entrepreneurial concept or a position they'd like to get in the say the corporate world or in in an industry do you have something you say to them like how do you relate to people in those tracks just you personally and your wisdom yeah well those are, those are two really tough questions. And, and, and really to me, I would approach them very differently, but for the, for the person who comes to me and says, Hey, I really want to be a missionary. Um, I would point them actually what I've seen work historically and what I've seen done less today, but when it is done, it's really effective. So if you look at older missionaries like um, Hudson Taylor, you yeah. know, before he went, China. He was like, well, hey, I need to learn something. I'm going to go study a medical field and have something to take with me. And I would still say that that's probably undervalued in this age. There's a lot of people are going overseas with no work experience, you know, fresh out of college. Right. The people that I've seen do the best overseas and and survive when they come back or people <laughs> that have had some sort of career before they went overseas. It's the only thing on your resume when you're 30 is that, you know, I lived overseas and, uh, is, is, uh, it's not very good, um, career path to help you re-enter back in the States. And I've seen that become a real problem for people. So I would say just get work experience because it's going to teach you so many valuable things, even as much as how to work on a team and how to not always get your way. And some of those things you learn in the corporate world right. that you, uh, that you don't necessarily learn if you, if you skip that phase of life. So sure. I, would t- I would, I would encourage everyone to get, you know, whatever that is, five years of work experience. Uh, I think often, uh, we're in a bigger hurry than God is, you know, right. I would have never liked to be the person that told the 25 year old me that I don't think I would have listened either, <laughs> but, um, but that's what I would say now, you know, yeah. uh, and for the, and for the person with the business idea, um, it, it's such a, I would almost tell him the same advice, which is, you know, there's so much you can learn by working for someone else. And it depends on, you know, if they had no work experience, I'd say, go get work experience first, just go work a job. You're going to learn so much um, from working for someone else that you're never going to learn working, um, working a job for yourself or running a business. And it's going to help you so much, going to save you so many difficult lessons that you have to learn by learning it on your own. Um, But, you know, also, I guess, uh, the biggest advice I would have for someone doing either is just really hone in on one thing, which is how do I on a daily basis live out my life in a way where I'm hearing from the Lord, what I should be doing and learning to um, listen to his voice in our lives and to lean on him. And I think that one piece of advice trumps everything else because uh 
no matter what you're doing and even if you're a little off track you'll always end up back on the right track right. you just learn to to trust in his voice listen to it and i think uh i think uh I, I, it's something I wish I would have learned much earlier in life. It's something I wish I would have learned was so easy and so effective um, earlier. You know, I, and in fact, I think most of the journey God's taken me on is just to learn that one lesson, you know? Sure. Uh, I think it's a, for me, it's the one lesson that we all should be uh, learning to walk in. Yeah. You know, if someone's listening to this discussion, they might be realizing kind of the lights might be coming on and they're going, wow, you know, I really need some input, uh, some equipping, some training, some accountability in my journey. You know, what would you advise them? Like if it was a young you who was hearing this, so to speak, I mean, do they seek out a mentor? What's a word of wisdom for how you get some equipping or accountability or input in your life? Like what's valuable? Yeah, I, for me, I had that. Uh, I had a, um, a gentleman named Bill Job who come into my life right at a key time in my life and really um, was just further along the journey. And he was able to help keep reminding me that it was much easier and much more fun than I was making it. And I think that encouragement um, was exactly what I needed. And be able to, to uh, just process and do life with. But here's what I would say. Um, I would look for the kind of mentor who you felt uh, loved you like a father, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, with someone who you felt had really, truly, deeply experienced the love of God. Because I think there's a lot of people out there in leadership and mentors roles who have never themselves fully, fully experienced how good God is and how much he loves us. And I feel like we're ill-equipped to father someone else if we've never experienced father's love. And so uh, if you have someone who has that experience and you can just tell, wow, this person uh, has been loved by the father in some deep way and it's changed them, then I think they're well-equipped. That's the one qualifying thing to sure. be a good mentor. It's <laughs> not the people uh, that are the smartest or worked at the largest corporations. Um, and because I've had the, I've had the privilege of getting um, people mentored who were um, very high up executives and very large fortune 500 companies. And I can tell you, those people often weren't the people that had the most impact on me. And it wasn't anything against their experience. It was just that um, all of our experiences are qualified by this one thing of have we truly experienced the father? Have we, do we realize how good he is? Do we realize how much he's for us and how much he loves us? And if mentors haven't experienced that, they will make their mentoring of you about something other it will be about them, right? Rather than it yeah. being about them helping you experience the father. Sure. And that's what a good mentor does is he's helping constantly point us back to this father, God who loves us and is for us and is, is constantly telling us how much he's that God's for us and how easy it is to walk with him. And um, that's what we all need. We don't need someone who is smarter than us to tell us a bunch of smart things to 
to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, unfortunately, um, you may have to struggle to find someone like that, but that's what you're looking for. That's how you know you found the right person to mentor wow. you. Wow, that's excellent. Uh, great advice. Well, thank you so much, Samuel, for being on the program today and investing in this audience. It's really valuable and appreciate your time. It's not like you are got a lot of spare time these days. So this is really great. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. I, uh, I've enjoyed reading your book so much. Thank you for taking the effort to write that. It's yeah. been uh, really amazing to uh, just see someone take so much uh, time and energy to write such a needed resource. And uh, so thank you for that work. Yeah, my pleasure as well. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.